The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series, movies, and more. And today we're discussing the penultimate episode of Star Trek Discovery Season 1, called The War Without the War Within. Joining me here on the panel is Father Corey Stika. Hey, Father. How's it going, Dom? Very well, thanks. Uh, Jimmy's got the week off, so it's just going to be you and me talking today, but we'll we'll have plenty to say, I hope. We can do this. <laughs> Folks, remember to follow The Secrets of Star Trek in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, your favorite podcast app, or at the SQPN YouTube channel, where you should also hit the bell to get notifications. I want to take a moment before we begin our discussion to plug another show that's on the StarQuest Network. Uh, this is a self-serving plug because it's the show I do with my wife, Melanie, called Raising the Bets. Uh, it's a show where we, bets, you know, my last name is Bettinelli, so we were often called Bet when we were kids. So it's uh, Raising the Bets, and it's a nice little pun. Because uh, yeah. uh, uh, uh. uh, we're also raising our kids. We have five kids, and we have lots of fun. We do we have homeschool adventures. We go and do fun things. We talk about food and cooking. We talk about books and movies and TV shows, and we uh, also uh, almost always talk about uh, what we got out of the readings for Mass this week and that sort of thing. So uh, give it a listen. If that sounds like something you'd be interested in, uh, give it a try and see what you think. Uh, you can find it at sqpn.com slash bets, that's B-E-T-T-S, or wherever you get podcasts from. So let's talk about this. We, we've been talking... We, we do, discussing let me put it that way discussing the first season of discovery episode by episode even though very early on mm -hmm. in the days of star trek discovery we we you me and jimmy we talked about star trek discovery in the first season in chunks we talked about the first yep. half of the season and the second half of the season and we've been working our way through the first season and like i said we're at the second to last episode and uh it's very interesting. I, before we get into the discussion, I want to have a recap. Usually I turn to Jimmy, but this time I'm going to turn to you, Father Corey. Can you give us a recap of this episode? And how many sentences can you do it in? <laughs> sure. Yeah. So Jimmy, the last couple of weeks has been doing a, the, the sentence count for some of these really short plot episodes. And this one's no different. So I'll give the count after I do the after I do the recap. The USS Discovery has returned to its original universe, but nine months later, it was thought lost due to debris from the ISS Discovery that jumped universes at the same time. So Starfleet is cautious because the war has been going very badly. Admiral Cornwell takes command of the Discovery, accompanied by Sarek. Emperor Giorgio is being treated as an honored guest by being confined to quarters. Nash Tyler, on the other hand, is back to himself with Volk's memories and has freedom to roam the ship but is struggling to recover trust from the crew, especially Michael Burnham. In order to end the war, Giorgio shares how she subdued the Klingon Empire by destroying Konos. Discovery's spore supply was destroyed in the Terran universe, so Lieutenant Stamets grows more on a barren moon to replenish the ship's stockpile. Finally, quote-unquote, Captain Giorgio is given command of the Discovery to implement the plan to end the war. I could only get it down to eight sentences because otherwise it'd get some really nasty run on sentences. But <laughs> that shows you how little plot there is in this one as well. Yeah. And, and to clarify, 
we recorded this before Lower Decks season two came mm-hmm. out, so uh, yeah, we can try to record a few ahead of time, so we have some in the uh, in the queue ready to go in case anything happens. Uh, but uh, yes, we it, it is a plot light, character development heavy episode. Well, it, it's we very say. much you know, of course, as you said, Dom, it's it's the penultimate episode, so this is setting up the final showdown, the final right. attack on Kronos, uh, the final end of the war. It's the final countdown. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everybody from the 80s going, no, <laughs> no. You just give me an earworm. No. <laughs> so the title, let's talk about the title, the war without the war within. And clearly the war without is the Klingon war, the, right. the war outside that they've returned to from the mirror universe. The war within, it, it could be several people, but it's, yeah. I think most clearly is Ash versus Valk. Yep, you know that that war within this one person, and so it, it's interesting. I mean, there might be others you could talk about where the you know the war within people who are having internal battles. Well, and it, it's very much as a person uh, person episode. So it's about the people. It's about the the characters, yeah. the main characters, especially Burnham, Tyler, Giorgio, uh, Cornwell. And when they when they show up, they're you know they're nine months late because mm-hmm. they. Some miscal or some kind of miscalculation or something. I forget what it was. Steam, but- Steam has took a wrong turn somewhere in the the mycelial <laughs> network. Took a wrong turn by Albuquerque, and uh, <laughs> he, uh, they're so they're nine months late. The the war is going badly. Cornwell shows up, guns ablaze, and they beam on board the Discovery at, at Phaser Point because apparently the ISS Discovery had come over, and right. <laughs> that was a bad <laughs> bad which, time. Which that's the first time we'd heard that the ISS Discovery switched places with them we right. kind of i think we kind of figured that it happened but that's the first time we've heard that it actually did happen but that they they came in were destroyed instead of surviving do mirror universe swaps ever get initiated from the other side like the swapping like we we've seen people travel from the mirror universe like smiley in deep mm-hmm. space nine but the but the, the these things where they they t- they trade places I... almost all, always seem to happen from the Regular yeah, I was, I was going to say, I mean, I, I was I was thinking of, of the, the episode of DS9 where O'Brien's counterpart came over mm-hmm. um, to, to kidnap some of the crew. But as far as or crew kidnap, excuse me, kidnap the uh, the defiance plans, if I remember right. Right. I think it was to steal the defiance plans. But, yeah, that wasn't a swap. He didn't swap with Chief O'Brien. He, he was able to find some way in otherwise. And I can't think of an episode where yeah they they initiated the swap mainly because of course you know you hear from Giorgio how the the Terran Empire doesn't want anything to do with the Federation they don't want right. to come over to our universe and frankly our side doesn't want <laughs> yeah our side doesn't anything to do with them either <laughs> yeah yeah uh, never the twain shall meet it, it is interesting to me at one point with uh, Saru and Burnham are having a conversation about why Burnham saved Giorgio and and. Burnham says right up front, yeah, look, I could tell you it was because it was a tactical advantage or her, you know, her knowledge, but I, I just did it because I couldn't save Captain Giorgio. <laughs> right. And so I didn't want guilty. to see that happen again. Didn't want to see that happen again. Yeah. Uh, so that, that was, that was interesting that they, that she was so frank about it. She was up front, which is good. Mm-hmm. I, I hate when characters kind of like, I don't know, they hold back and, and it becomes a plot point. The fact that I'm holding back from you. They, they play just, coy and I'll, I'll give you a, a nice sounding line that will appease you, but you really aren't, tru- you really don't trust that, that what I told you was the truth. And yeah, right. 
Saru actually makes a statement which he gets proved wrong. He says, I have a feeling that, you know, saving her will prove to be an error in judgment. And in fact, Giorgio is key to many things right up to season three. Like oh, she's, yeah. she's very important to, 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 and, to things going becomes, well. You know, off, off screen becomes a very beloved character. I mean, yes, yes. And we'll show up in the uh, untitled section 31 series that they're developing someday. Which, Someday. Oh, man, I just it would be such a great series. I really hope they get that going. Yep. Um, one of the things that the very one of the first things I was thinking about with this episode is like Tyler is now Tyler. He they they yep. the Tyler personality has been placed in primary control. Valk is suppressed. His memories are there. Mm-hmm. But Tyler is is that personality is in control. And one of the things I thought in and in, in Tyler wants to be put in the break because he's killed you know, uh, Dr. Mm-hmm. Culber and Saru says, no, no, I'm just going to, you know, restrict your movements a bit or monitor your movements, but otherwise you're free to go. Cause you're not the one yep. who killed uh, Dr. Culber. And I, and I was thinking, is it just that Tyler is not being held responsible for Vox crimes? Are they distinct people from a moral viewpoint? Boy, that I mean, that's a tough question. Cause this, I mean, this literally is, and they even just, they, they all but describe what happened to Tyler and Volk of, they stuffed a Klingon inside of a human suit. Yeah. I mean, it, it is Tyler's body, but the interior is cosplaying as a human. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, but, but it, it's, um, it would be a you know tough question because the Volk personality was the one that was operating at that moment, the Vol- mm-hmm. you know, and there's, so there es- essentially was two people in one, one mind in one, one body. And I don't know, I, I, obviously, you know, we, we would say that, you know, and in case of someone who's, you know, multiple personality or, some, you know, schizophrenic or something like that, that they are responsible, but only in so far as their mental capacity allows, you know, right. and that's where you hear, you know, the, the, the stereotypical, you know, can't stand trial because they're mentally unable to. Right. You know. Some people are not, allowed, not able to stand trial because they're mentally un- unable, non mentis. Yep. But some people do stand trial and are not guilty by reason of, of temporary it's- insanity. But there's still, you know, consequences of that. Right. You know, you know they, they, don't they, they aren't allowed prison. to go wander. Yeah, they aren't yeah. allowed to go wander the world. They have usually they have to go to uh, uh, some place where they can get counseling or they can get the medication they might need and so on. Right. You know, so they can get help. Yeah, I, it's it's I think the most the apt analogy is the person who's split personality, which I know is not an accurate term, but it's it's the popular yep. term. Uh, Jimmy would have corrected me. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, someone who split personality, the, an, an alternate personality committed the crime, that person would probably be put on trial, but would end up being placed in an institution yep. until such time as they are better. And in fact, you know, maybe that's what they could say is Tyler will be healed, you know, mentally yeah. by this. And it's I, I there's of course, you know, this this shows the bubbliness of, of you know, the feelingsness of discovery because. Of course, he goes into the dining hall and everybody's staring at him. Mm-hmm. And of course, Cadet Tilly, she's got to come over and be the, oh, you're, you're the best person ever. And everybody else follows suit. Right, right. It's the togetherness thing. I, I'm, I'm kind of thinking, like, would Kirk have let Tyler wander about? Would Kirk have done what Saru so. did? Or Picard? I mean, I don't think, I don't think. Uh, um, well, think of, now think of a discovery. There was the, uh, the Beta Zed. Who killed in in Voyager? Oh, not just Voyager, man. I mean Voyager, yeah. yeah, yeah. And and Janeway, you know, 
threw she, him in, threw him in the brig, and she worked with him to kind of get his his mind straight again. But she kept him in the brig. She, yeah, she confined him to quarters essentially. Quarters, but yeah, quarters, yeah, yeah. But yeah, he was getting counseling and and that sort of stuff. But he was suffering the consequences of his actions. And he, yeah, and he ended up saving the ship. He gave his life to save the ship. But right, he still was not given freedom. And 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 uh, Tyler was just given a you know twenty third century Fitbit to make sure they knew where he was at. It looked right. like a Fitbit just with a you know red lights instead of a screen. I mean, it was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's got he's got the equipment of the ankle bracelet, the the the, the monitoring bracelet. So, um, the, it is interesting when Sarek and Cornwell beam aboard Cornwell, she is so mad about Mira Lorca. Like she is, oh, yeah. she's not like, she blasts like with a face where she blasts his bowl of fortune cookies. <laughs> <laughs> like I should have seen, I should have noticed, uh, you know, like, I mean, they were close, obviously they were, yeah. they were romantically involved at one point. And, and so she's really mad, you know, and it's kind of interesting to see that reaction on her part and 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 they pretty much conclude that prime Lorca didn't survive on the other side he was he no. was that that regular prime folk don't survive going to the mirror universe um, on their unless own unless your unless your name is michael burnham then you, of unless course you're michael do. burnham right of course <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the, the interesting, interesting plot arc devices that they they go through is this idea that the war is going badly for the federation but it could be worse because with mm-hmm. no leader, no emperor, the Klingon houses are fighting among themselves right. and against the Federation. So, in, but for some reason, even though they're divided, the Federation can't make headway against them because the Federation is like a paper tiger or something. I don't know what the, well, the deal with Starfleet is here. Yeah, yeah, it's of course the way they, they present it is basically instead of having you know one front line, they've got twenty five or twenty four. How many ever houses? I think they said twenty four houses. Yeah, and that each house was competing with each other to do more damage, you know, and it, it was whoever did the most. And it got down to, you know, Starbase one, which is, we know is a hundred AUs, hundred astronomical units from earth. Oh, so a hundred times the distance from the sun to yeah. the earth, which, you know, I always thought Starbase one was the one that was around the earth. Well, the whole thing, like we, we have to get from here to Starbase one, which is such a long distance. We can't, you know, we, we need to jump from here to there because, it's just too dangerous to travel one light year in the heart of the Federation. Like, yeah. It's you're, you're a light year from earth. Like you're basically in the backyard. Like, yeah, exactly. It was very weird. Like, like some, somebody at Star Trek, they have to get Andre Bormanis back so that he can inform them about <laughs> science, science for people. It drives me a little crazy. Like, like, well, this is, this is the, like, the same problem that was with the JJ movies that yeah. they would warp from earth to Vulcan in about 30 seconds. Right, right. Like, like if if it were really that fast, like the, everything falls apart. Like all yeah. of the tension and drama in the stories falls apart if you could travel that fast. It's the same problem yeah. that that they introduced into Star Wars too with hyper tra- hyperspace travel. Yeah, it's it's it, it's just not being consistent with where they're at. What you know, because yeah. they, they when they when the Discovery first came back to the Prime Universe, yeah, I thought it sounded like that they had actually came back behind the Klingon front lines. Right. That they were actually in enemy territory. And that's why it's so dangerous is that, of course, and, and as Cornwall says, that the Klingons are all over that sector. Yeah. Well, apparently there are no front lines anymore, that the Klingons are everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> the way they make it sound. Exactly. And it doesn't have to be that way. You could, it's like, you don't have to show the amount of time it takes to travel. It's just mm-hmm. 
Do it in dialogue. It'll take us two days to get there. Then yep. Skip ahead. You know, and skip ahead, brother Maynard. take this much time, you know, and that's not that hard to say. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, they get to uh, Starbase One, and it's been taken over by the Klingons, including a big, you know, big uh, graffiti. graffiti graffiti Klingon <laughs> symbol on the side of it, which is like, yeah, that sounds about right. I want to see Lower Decks do something where, like, they have Klingons graffitiing on, <laughs> on the outside. Oh, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> Spray paint. <laughs> so we do get an interesting moment, another character moment in this, where Tyler encounters Stamets in the hall way at one point they just mm-hmm. comes around the corner he's there and he has this attempted apology and Stamets kind of calls him on it like and yeah. you can see Tyler is like how do you apologize to someone for accidentally murdering their spouse you know exactly it, it, I mean it's it's an interesting character moment you know that this mm-hmm. this encounter uh, it's it's still got a lot of the discovery touchy feeliness to it but it's yeah. an interesting idea this that he has to encounter these people on a daily basis right. that he's betrayed. Well, and, and Stamets doesn't do the, the oh, I forgive you. I know it wasn't really oh, no. you. I know it was Volk. And no, he's like, you ain't going to learn my trust that quickly. You ain't going to earn my forgiveness that quickly. Right, right. He, he does, he's not letting him off the hook at all. I mean, I, well, who would? You know, yeah. it's, it, I mean, it's, you could, you know, you can forgive. But that doesn't mean you have to treat them as if nothing bad happened. Right. You know, forgiveness and, and, is not that. Yeah. I always, I always kind of like to joke, you know, we're, we're called the love our neighbor. It doesn't mean we're going to like them. <laughs> exactly. You know, exactly. And it's the same right. thing with forgiveness. You have to forgive your neighbor. But at the same time, sometimes part of that forgiveness might be saying, and I really don't want anything to do with you anymore because I'm not going to let you put me in that position again. Right. Right. I mean, you see you, all the time where you use like abusive domestic relationships where, you know, you can forgive the, the abuser. But that doesn't mean you have to like them, give them the ability to have any type of contact with you or control over you or anything like that. Right. It's yeah, it's not the same thing. Of course, it would be difficult on something like Discovery, where I don't know, if, you know, how many hundred, you know, hundred some people on the ship at this point, you know, before it goes yeah. to the future, it's down to eighty something, if I remember right. But you know, it's hundred some people on this ship, and you're all kind of packed together. <laughs> Very small community. No wonder why Tyler is going to leave <laughs> soon. I mean, yep. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, well, then we have, uh, the Tilly doing her thing in the mess hall with, you know, the, being the, uh, the morale officer for the ship, the, uh, the cadet, oh, yeah. as you mentioned, Cornwell goes to Laurel, the, she's in the break, if mm-hmm. we remember, and, you know, what are we, what's it going to take to bring the Klingons to the peace table so we can negotiate a peace? And Laurel's like, no, that doesn't work the way you, you have to utterly defeat Klingons. They don't, yeah. we don't negotiate peace we either destroy you or you destroy us defeat you or de- you defeat us which is interesting given that changes obviously because mm-hmm. at some point you know as we saw in star trek 6 with gorkon although some klingons were not happy with with that <laughs> uh obviously uh but they do peace does come at some point yes. without utter defeat and in fact we'll see that next episode well uh, and of course that's where they develop more of the 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 honor codes and things like that of the Klingons where the reason why the Klingons were coming, willing to come to the peace table was because they viewed the Federation with honor, not with disrespect. You know, that was right. the one thing that uh, Takuvma did was, you know, oh, they're, they're weak. They want to make your culture like theirs instead, you know, things like that. And, and right. Laurel even mentions that in this episode that, oh, you want to make everything homogenous. And, and Cornell's like, no, we really don't. <laughs> yeah. We just want just- peace. <laughs> Right. Just look at our just look at the Federation. It's not homogenous. 
There's all kinds of cultures and civilizations. So, as you mentioned, uh, Giorgio is the one who comes up with the idea of how to defeat the Klingons. Her idea is to destroy Konos. She tells it first to Burnham and then... Um, and she, Cornwell and Saru. Yeah, and Sarek does the mind meld with her. Yep. And she kind of convinces them that, you know, the logic of genocide, essentially, mm-hmm. um, is, is the idea. Like, the, the, the logical action is to kill off the Klingons. And they they kind of Cornwell is really operating on two levels here because her real goal is to do this destroy is it Cornwell who's really in for destroying Konos but tells everyone that we're just going to reconnoiter I forget um, what that is kind of I mean it was, obviously it was uh Giorgio kind of held back when she was talking to Burnham about oh yeah we you know we we attacked Konos and you know they they gave up because of that and right. then she la- I think she later, if I remember right, she later tells Cornwell, no, we basically destroyed the planet. We turned it into a, you know, a slag heap by right. the time we were done, that there was right. nothing left. So I, I think, yeah, I think you're right that, um, because, you know, of course we find out spoiler for the next, the, the next episode, the final episode is basically to, to jump enterprise or jump discovery into the planet, into the, right. like a big cavern in the middle of the planet and set off a, you know, a global thermal nuclear bomb or whatever. Right. The the equivalent of of such, yeah. So the implausibility of this idea that Konos is a hol- is hollowed out with caves big enough to have a starship fly around in. Sure, why not? Although, sure. although they can't, although they can't get uh, they can't get any kind of readings through the dense atmosphere, at least not from a distance. So how they right. know that is, you know, of course. <laughs> right, right. Actually, it, it do it, they do make it clear it comes from Giorgio. So that's true, but yeah, this idea that uh, they'll send out probes that can like. It's hollow enough that, that, that you can send probes all over the planet through these caves. Yep. Uh, kind of weird. I, it's I mean, a Swiss I don't know. cheese planet. Yeah, exactly. For the, for the, the planet is hollow and I've touched the sky. Uh, another TOS episode title. Uh, <laughs> so Tyler and, and Burnham have this confrontation, although it's described in the, in the, uh, descriptions the the online descriptions as in his quarters but i think it's the armory actually if i remember correctly Mm -hmm. but uh they have this confrontation where he's trying to reconcile with her and she's basically like you tried to kill me i'm not getting over that so yeah you you better put to rest any hope of us getting back together uh but one of the things he does he says to her in order to you know kind of bring about that reconciliation is the only reason he didn't fully activate as a klingon undercover spy was because Tyler fell in love with her, which is something that mm-hmm. the Klingons didn't anticipate. I mean, this Klingon transformation thing that they mm-hmm. do is probably the remote, most remarkable technology I think I've seen in all of Star Trek. This yeah. ability to completely transform someone to this level. Well, and, and of course, we, we it does tie back uh, because it ties back to the Tribbles episode from TOS right. with, with uh, Arnie Darvin, where that's exactly what they did to him. Which they then played on in yeah. DS9 in, in the Tribbles episode there. But uh, yeah, he uh, and, and Laurel makes it clear that that Volk was the prototype. He was the, fir- the te- first test case, which eventually right. was refined for somebody like Arnie Darvin and, and assumingly others, you know, and there's there's actually possibilities for other people to show up eventually. Right. With that done as well. That's true. That's true. I mean, we, we've we've seen undercover operatives. In other series, like in Picard, we've seen the mm-hmm. the, the Romulan posing as a, as a Starfleet Vulcan 
yep. that sort of thing. So, so this is funny. So Cornwell makes this shipwide announcement. You know, you you see these every once in a while in Star Trek, where yep. the captain or somebody you know gets on the uh, the one MC. That's what the Navy calls it, and makes a shipwide mm-hmm. announcement. Just once, and then when they do these montages of people standing still listening to the captain, I want to see them like someone caught in the shower or something, you know, like that. You know what I mean? Like that's gonna be like a lower deck. So like, like somebody's like, like mid bite, you know? Yeah, mid bite. Someone's like, you know, uh, you know, in the bathroom or something. It's like it's always like no, I'm I, we're all walking the corridor and we stop to listen, or we're you know, standing we're, at our console listening. Yeah, it's yes. always looking up because you know, the speakers must be in the. You know, in the overheads right. or something. Because the director tells them, okay, look as if you're listening to an announcement. Like, how many yeah. people tilt their head when listening to an announcement? But, and, you know. can't keep walking. I mean, we hear announcements at, like, airports and grocery stores all the time, and we still keep walking and listening to them. Right, right. Yeah. Who's monitoring the engine? The antimatter mix is going to get messed yeah. up. So, it's just, I, it's just a, a funny quirk of the of the shows. Oh, yeah. Um. And then the the ending is we we get Cornwell's surprise, which is she unveils Giorgio, but she calls it nope, it's Captain Giorgio. She's been alive all this time. We've just kept her hidden, and uh, uh, now she's going to take command of Discovery uh, for the you know for this mission. And you, you Saru and Burnham basically are like, uh, yeah, you could pick their jaws up off the floor. I mean, it was just like, <laughs> yeah. what? See ya. Yeah. <laughs> I I did like earlier when when uh, Burnham and Giorgio uh, beamed aboard in the mm-hmm. transporter room. Saru turns to the transporter technician and says, "You you you see nothing. You know nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you you are going to keep this quiet on penalty of treason. Put uh, her in a court. Put her in a guest quarter. Beam her to a guest quarters. Lock the door. Put security in front of it. And you know nothing. Yes. Forget this happened. I mean, he basically almost threatens him with you know." If it's treason, it might be execution. You know, it's yeah. just like it's basically threatens him with that. Um, <laughs> but but I thought it was interesting. You know that 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 surprise at the end, and that Giorgio is kind of pulling off this. I'm I'm Captain Giorgio. I'm the nice one, right? See, I'm the nice Everybody one. Everybody likes not, me. Yeah, I'm not the imperious emperor uh, that that they just came aboard. So I thought that was. <laughs> You know, I remember first time watching this how much of a like what moment that was. Yeah, exactly. At the end. So, and that's, that's the, I mean, and like we said, this is all preamble. This is all getting us ready for the final episode of the season. So what do you think? Any final notes on this? A couple of things, you know, a couple of, of where they tried to tie in with previous, previous series uh, where they mentioned how all knowledge of the Terran universe was buried. It was locked away mm-hmm. in Starfleet records. So that would explain why Kirk and company didn't know about it when they, when they ended up there. You know, yep. and, and I mean, it was again, it was like a one line thing, but it, it really did kind of tighten up that bow a little bit because you could see that there would be something like that would be classified that even a, a regular ship captain wouldn't even know existed unless he needed to. Right. So that right. I mean, that, that was fair enough. They can't even do a callback, though. They just they, <laughs> they cannot do a callback in Discovery. You know, they talk about how no Starfleet officer has set foot on Kronos in over a century. And of course, that's Captain Archer opening right. you know, pilot. And they mentioned Archer. Yeah. Of Enterprise. But then they go back to it and say, in case you didn't get it earlier, it was Captain Archer of the NX-01 Enterprise that set foot on there a century ago. It's like, <laughs> and that's what I mean by they can't even do a callback. They couldn't even yeah. just lay it out there and go on. Oh, right. Not a subtle <laughs> callback. Yes, yes. 
trust the fans to know what they're talking about. I mean, all the fans, you know, I, I can guarantee, you know, like when we saw it the first time, we were like, yeah, that's a great callback. You know, it's great. They, they remembered that. They mentioned that. And then they're like, slap, by the way, in case you missed it the first time. <laughs> yeah, right. That's true. That's true. I see what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> trust the fans. Like nobody else is going to get it if they didn't watch Enterprise. So yeah. don't, you don't have to say it. We know. We know. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then, I, then finally, I like the, uh, how they showed the terraforming. Even if it was the terraforming of the spores, of the, the mycelial spores. Right. It's still kind of cool to see them, you know, terraform that, that moon. I wish I could get my garden to grow like that. I know, right? <laughs> it was like, boom, done. Uh, it's, it's certainly, uh, in one sense, the mycelial spore drive is a much more sustainable uh, fuel source than yeah. dilithium, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can you can grow the, the spores on your ship itself, so you don't even have to worry about it, assuming it doesn't get destroyed in the uh, in the yes. Terran Empire, of course. But yeah, you can yeah. grow them on the ship, so you've got all the fuel you need. Just keep the spores healthy. It's like a Tesla of the space. <laughs> you just, you just got to find some poor sucker to get uh, tardigrade DNA injected into them, so they can become the yeah the the, the one navigator. Flaw. Yeah, the one flaw in the system is the necessity of being genetically altered to be navigator yep all right so uh anything else that's it for me awesome all right as we wrap up we want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of star trek and their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of star trek and all the shows at Starquest. you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give and we'd also like to thank Victor Lambs, who edits the show for us every week. So that's it from us. What did you think of The War Without, The War Within, this uh, f- first season Discovery episode? You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash trek, or our Facebook page at facebook.com slash starquestmedia, or send an email to trek at sqpn.com. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the original series episode, Shore Leave. Until then, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me in sharing the secrets of Star Trek. Thank you, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest. And remember, there is also grace for what greater source of peace exists than our ability to love our enemy. <laughs> <laughs>